This episode of the Boss Builder Podcast is brought to you by Wisdom Tree Coaching. If your organization needs coaching for your managers to get them through those hurdles and focus factors, please visit our sponsor, Wisdom Tree Coaching, to check out their options for individual coaching and group and team coaching. They also offer their really popular course, Coaching as a Discipline for Managers. For more information, check them out at wisdomtreecoaching.com or you can call them at 304 304- 549-4630. Welcome to this episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, where we talk to great bosses and those who build great bosses about what it takes to be a great boss. And now, here is your host, the founder and CEO of Boss Builders, Mac Monroe. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you who are in the role and need help, and those of you who are thinking about one day taking on that role. For those of you listening now, if you're the boss, you know it's a stressful job. It takes a lot of time, patience, energy, and there's a very good chance that you may not have the time to take good care of yourself. Our guest today is Eric Baratti. Eric is a fitness expert. He is the author of Make America Fit Again. And what Eric's going to do is take some time to talk to us about some things that we can do as busy professionals to take care of our mind, to take care of our body, to take care of our fitness, to take care of our nutrition, things that we can do even if we don't have a whole lot of time in the day to do it. He'll build the case that you'll be more effective as the boss if you are in some kind of shape, both nutritionally and with your muscles and your endurance. So without further delay, let's chat with our guest, Eric Baratti. Eric Baratti, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Mac. Hey, you know, you just finished writing a book. The book is called Make America Fit Again, and I'm going to ask you some questions in our time together about that book. But I, I want to start with a little bit about you, a little bit about your background and maybe why and how you became interested in fitness and health. Yeah, sure. Uh, so basically my youth background in athletics is kind of where it all started. Uh, I played basketball baseball, soccer, um, football, and most of my time later on was spent towards uh, like cross-country running, a little bit of track and field training, and then for recreation I did things like tennis and ping-pong and swimming in the pool. So basically a little bit of everything, but you know, no, no matter what level I played these sports at, whether it was elementary school, middle school, high school, I just always noticed that my coaches put a ton of emphasis on the the healthy eating and physical conditioning aspects of the sport because I kind of noticed that, you know, the the greater attention that we paid towards these aspects, the better our performance was when we went out on the field. And this simply became like, you know, the foundation for whatever activity I was focused on. And then um, I kind of took these things more seriously than my peers over the years and then basically my first real exposure to weight training was in middle school and that was when I was more involved in the basketball and the endurance running and then my motivation to continue back then was just kind of purely out of the aesthetic based you know body composition right so I just I just wanted to look good I kind of 
I kind of looked up to, let's see, like Vin Diesel, Will Smith, uh, Gerard Butler, you know, in the movie 300. A lot of these guys had phenomenal uh, musculature, and I was like, man, it'd be cool to look something like that. I knew it wasn't realistic for me to say, all right, I'm going to look exactly like that. I know that's kind of like something that people do these days, but um, I knew that I wanted to at least do something that, you know, allowed me to feel uh, that presence of just that powerful presence, uh, and, and focusing on the muscles that would let me do that. So, you know, I just, um, I just stayed, stayed the course and doing the weight training, I made progress in strength, um, lean body mass, of course. And then, then over the years, I guess my, my fascination for improving the physiological and the psychological health kind of evolved um, more from a slow twitch mindset so from just running all the time to more of a fast twitch lifestyle and what I mean by that is you know I kind of looked for clues in like the pro level sports and the Olympic level sports with weightlifting and gymnastics and uh, track and field and stuff these are sports that you know required a lot of the fast twitch muscle fibers you know like the really high intense um, movements that pulled uh, nutrients into muscle cells, you know, so uh, I just started, you know, balancing the frequency, intensity, and the volume of my training better based on those clues that I noticed, and then I just, you know, I started to notice that a lot of this stuff was exciting my body more, and I was I didn't even have to do as much volume anymore. It was kind of just, I was doing little bits here and there and kind of splitting up the volume, if you will. And when I was doing this, it just made me more excited to do it more and more. And I, I was able to kind of uh, make it a lifestyle out of that. So I could, I could just kind of give myself that reality check with, you know, micro and macro injuries and then, you know, prevent them from turning into something more um, crazy. So yeah, I guess it's just my large appreciation for the fast twitch aspects of sports over the years. And that's just like the, the hinge position, the power movements and stuff, and then safe progressions, or I like this, I like to call it advanced regressions. I like to use this for a lot of the people I work with because nobody, let's be honest, nobody likes to feel like they're, you know, downgrading whatever they're doing, you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, that's that's kind of like that's kind of the summary about it. Well, you, that was your kind of like your background. Was was that really what pushed you, or was there some sort of transformative experience that pushed you in there? Uh, I mean, you've given us a foundation, but I mean, was there some just key thing? Because obviously, that's going to lead you to where you are now, and that's what I want to talk about. Is you know, it's, it's funny you bring that up because, <laughs> like, one of the guys that I had reviewed this book, they said this book is really, really good stuff. But if I had to have like one critique about it, one constructive criticism, it would be that I wished you would have put more, uh, had more of a, a background story of yourself about it. And this is something, you know, we all have our things that we're working on improving uh, of ourselves over the years. And one of which, hopefully with my next book release or whatever, I'm going to focus on telling the story a little bit more. But to answer your question here in this interview, Basically, I, I did used to be more on the chubbier side uh, up until like through the sixth grade. And, you know, I'll tell you, I used to be one of those guys. I had a lot of 
you know, after school snacks, like the little, little Debbie brand, like the donut holes, um, the ho-hos, <laughs> the, I used to eat like sugar coated cereals, basically putting all that stuff after the, after school let out peanut butter and jelly and stuff. And then, you know, I was lucky at the time. Cause I just, I kind of took a little bit more special interest in the cause of this you know, what I would consider unnecessary weight gain at such a young age, which is kind of seems like more people need to be doing now, especially the parents and the teachers and, and uh, coaches and stuff. Uh, anyways, and, you know, according to my pediatric physician at this time, you know, I was overweight by almost 15 pounds. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, you know, in the grand scheme of things, especially for some people out there who are maybe 50 to 100 pounds overweight these days. But it was enough for me to kind of just notice that I was becoming sloppy. And even though it's like it didn't line up with what they use in the in the uh, medical industry, the, the bo uh, body mass index chart, you know, to, to measure, you know, your your relationship to height and your weight and what's healthy. And, and so and so. Uh, yeah, so I just I just started to remove those empty calorie snacks and replace them with larger more balanced meals and then just kind of like everything else fell into place um i just had more energy for you know staying active and my body fat was lower um and then of course this led to more attention for girls i mean for for boys you know and k through 12 who doesn't like more attention from girls and um i mean even when you're older of course but uh, yeah, so I just, I just started to take more interest in how I was eating and my idea of what became like a balanced meal just sort of changed just from that, you know, that initial phase of, it was kind of like, we all go through those like uh, phases of depression, like in the colder seasons and the winter months when we have, you know, the seasonal depression disorder and stuff like that. And this, this of course affected me a little bit more than others too, because I have a history of uh, anxiety, which is not something that not a lot of people know about, but that's also something that I've used to fuel my training actually is, um, is splitting up it's honestly everything everything that I preach now just comes down to splitting up your volume a little bit more on the training side and then you know with the eating side just eating when you can and it's not it's not like the quantity of calories you're eating it's the quality of those calories so it's like it's what you're eating you know everybody wants to know if, do I eat the, eat this not that it's it's not about that it's just like what you're eating it's or and, and it's not about the timing that you're eating it's like you can be eating at like 11 p.m. you know 12 a.m. 1 a.m. 2 a.m. it doesn't matter people think you're going to gain weight if you're eating that late that's not that's simply not the truth uh you know it's it all is about what you're eating it's the quality of the foods that you're eating so yeah, I just I just started to balance everything, make everything a little bit more flexible according to my schedule, and I think that's gonna carry over in, into a lot of what you're gonna bring up here. Yeah, absolutely will. Uh, I think it's impressive that as a, a young person you would actually see that and do it, and actually make the choice to to change your life that way. Well, you know, putting out a book means you put yourself out there where people can see you and it can sometimes be intimidating. So what made you want to write this book? And by the way, I've read the book and what I love about it is practical. Plus, there's a lot of pictures. In there. But yeah, Derek, what uh, made you write the book? I wanted to write the book. You know, to, we all go through this like as an artist. 
not just as a coach. Like I've been told, I've been told by a few people now that I, I have this artistic and physical presence. And I guess from the art, from it's obvious the physical presence side of, of things as a coach and building the credibility and so forth. I wanted to put something behind my name that I felt, um, you know, extremely extremely proud about, but in a way that made me more humble and modest towards my training approach, something that made me want to uh, learn more from people that I've, I've been working with and will work with in the future, of course. So the book was just kind of another, I see it as another stepping stone to further, you know, make the, make the profession, make this career uh, and show people that I'm truly invested and their best interest and I'm not just in it for the money and yes the money is good it helps you know make a living and so forth but I think that a lot of the people will see when they read this book or when they have you know you know work with me in person which is another reason for writing the book is to try to get more uh, business of course uh, it's just that it's, it's not about the money as much as just kind of helping them get more uh, out of their out of their training, out of their lifestyle, out of their habits, and so forth, and just trying to learn more about their bodies and so forth. So, yeah, I just I just wrote the book because I wanted to, you know, just wanted to take the career to an, another level and in a way that made others feel that I was more engaged to to them. Great. Well, let's talk about you a little bit. Uh, we've talked a little bit about your interests in all this, but do you have sort of a mission statement uh, yes. that you operate by? Let's see. My mission statement. I would say my mission statement, I guess just to lead by example. You know, like I've helped out okay. at some basketball camps and some summer programs and so forth in my, my area locally. And I think it's important just – my mission statement and just in general for everybody like it's our it's our duty as older as an older generation to lead by example to show people of all ages how they can prevent health problems and that's just that trickles down to you know people the the kids right so they I see it on, on Facebook posts all the time, like from parents and teachers and stuff. It's like kids are always watching you. It's like even though they don't always have the same uh, – they don't always express it the same way uh, adults do. They just – they take notice to the things that we do. And if we're not doing that, if we're not showing them as the parents and teachers, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a very – it's going to prove to be a, a difficult time, a, a challenge for a lot of these – a lot of the youth and you know the social media and stuff is is great but I think it's a lot of it is just a distraction from what we're truly meant to do and and uh, and just to this just continue leading by example is teaching others how to apply this you know this quality over quantity uh, cliche rather that's you know it's 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 in a style that's most consistent with you know whatever whatever dietary or physical activity preferences people have, whether it's sports, dancing, playing an instrument, doing the exercise stuff like me, it's, it all can work. And that's kind of piggybacking on the answer to my last question is just showing people there are many roads to the, to accomplishing the same goal. You just got to use the tools that you have in front of you and you do that by leading by example. 
and hopefully have some fun along the way because that's i mean if it's not fun you're not going to do it right that's very true well the audience that listens to this and that's listening to this podcast right now in fact i'm guessing there's a lot of you who are listening who are either a at your desk with food in your hand or you're commuting a long commute to work my audience is a typically very stressed audience they are in charge of uh, like i talk about uh fixing systems and processes, protecting the house, developing others. And so if they want to lead by example, it's for them really, really difficult. They're busy. So I was wondering if you could sort of characterize the dietary approach you would promote for people in that category and why they, they should do this. Because the temptation is I walk into work. Uh, yeah, that's, so, that's very common, that's actually. You know, what, what do you do when, you, when you're faced with that, that dilemma, right? Uh, so it's a lot of what's, what's becoming very popular now, two really big ones I see are the ketogenic diet and intermittent fasting. And both of those are great, uh, stepping stones. They're great ways to get into the habit of eating healthy, but I don't particularly see them as lifestyle strategies for a lot of busy professionals that are healthy. Um, that being said, drawing from more of the intermittent fasting protocol, I would say this would be very, very beneficial for um, the people listening to this podcast and people who consider themselves, you know, on the go all day, really, uh, just because the intermittent fasting is, is a way of teaching people to, you know, give yourself a specific time period that you're eating, you know, the majority of your calories. And then the rest of the day, it's like you're grazing, but not really on food. It's just mainly like water and tea and so forth. And that'll come up in a later suggestion. I think one of the other questions uh, about, you know, you know, getting more energy out of your day. But yeah, I, there's no there's no best diet approach that I promote. But I think the intermittent fasting protocol and just basically eating a larger meal and the first half of the day, so right before you leave from work, or eating your largest meal in dinner time, it it all depends on what you want to do. It's not like like I've said earlier. It's, there's no one best way. Uh, so. For busy professionals, I encourage them to eat, you know, like a, a solid 500 to 800 calorie meal before they leave from work. And then throughout the rest of the day, just drinking lots of water, they'll be surprised, uh, you know, what what kind of energy they'll have, you know, throughout the day and, and how long that, that energy lasts them that they don't need to be like, so you, you brought up the idea of donuts or, you know, sometimes there's pizza or some sandwiches catered in from work and how do you, you know, some people want to, you know, have those cravings or they're bored or something. So they want to give into that. And by eating the larger meal in the first half of the day, that'll help them, you know, just kind of say no to that. You know, it's psychologically, they know that, um, it's not necessary. And then number two, physically, like how they feel, you know, their, their stomach's just full anyway. It's like, man, I just already ate all that. And to give you an idea of what five to eight, five to 800 calories consists of, if you, if you were to take like a tub of yogurt and everybody knows that I eat a lot of yogurt around this area, uh, a tub of yogurt, like whole milk, uh, you know, the extra fat content, 
it's yeah it's extra calories but it's quality nutrition it's providing you a full electrolyte source with the yogurt it's it's giving you a nice dose of fats and some of which are going to draw from CLA conjugated linoleic acid which is a fat burning fat um, there is research supporting you know lean body composition from eating that and reduce chances of cancer and so forth um, and then of course you have calcium and vitamin D which are coenzymes for keeping the metabolism going and uh, healthy bones and stuff and that's just from yogurt and you know if if you don't want to eat a whole tub of yogurt you can always eat like you know a half of a tub which is basically like two cups in our in our conversion in America and you can have like a hand a handful of nuts if you're not allergic to nuts nuts I would say this is actually you know giving you a, a future idea of what I'm gonna do is uh, the top three healthy foods I would put nuts in that top three category they're easily one of the healthiest foods out there and there's not just which nut I would say it's good to have a variety of nuts and and same thing applies to vegetables when you're eating later in the day which brings me to my next thing is you know when you get back home from work you know if you want you can have your snack or something or if you're if you're somebody who exercises fits in that um, workout window after you get home from work you can have yourself like a little pre or post workout snack an, an apple or something or um, a little protein shake if you want to do that a protein bar uh, a fruit and nut bar things like this are great um, still don't keep it too heavy wait to eat the the second bigger meal towards the end of the day and that's just you know loading up on tons of veggies these can be raw these can be cooked personally I, I like cooked veggies nowadays because I ate a ton of salad in college uh, I mean a ton and yeah it's just uh, I don't know does that does that help you answer your question yeah, so it sounds like I would get up, I would have a pretty good breakfast up to about 800 calories, and then that's it for the eating. Throughout the day, I'm going to be drinking water and tea, and then when I get home, have that yes, and of course, meal, the protein in that meal. I just, it's yeah, but I figured just listen to assumption that most people eat protein with that meal, you know, and we have vegans and vegetarians out there who may draw protein from what are what I consider to be carbohydrate containing sources like beans and and uh, uh, seeds and stuff like that, you know, well, seeds are fats, but you get the idea like beans are, are um, predominantly carbohydrates. But yeah, you're, you, you have the right ideas. Well, that's just what I'm thinking, because a person who's the boss isn't going to have time typically to sit down and eat. And if they do, it's going to be jump. So basically what we're saying is don't worry about it. If you need a snack, a handful of nuts would do the job. Yes, you definitely. You're going to have and energy level, you know, which I'm sure appeals. It sounds to like a lot of a lot of food, a lot of calories in the beginning of the day. But let me tell you, the 800 calories from that meal will not make you feel as as groggy as you know 800 calories from donuts or 800 calories from you know stopping at your your Burger King or um, McDonald's and getting one of those breakfast sandwiches. Or actually, I guess it'd be like two or three of those. Um, just to you know, reach the same number of calories, and it all goes back to the the quality over quantity. So the the number of calories, you know, isn't so much as important as what you're eating. Okay, well that's good. Well then, let's take the next the, the next piece of this. And so 
you know, when you get Eric's book, you're going to see that the guy's pretty fit. He's pretty lean. He's pretty ripped. However, you look at pictures of me and you see a middle-aged fat guy. So obviously not a guy who goes to the gym a lot, but what type of considerations would you have for somebody who listens to this that wants to build strength? And if they build strength, would that translate into higher productivity at work, realizing they yeah, probably don't so, have a long schedule. You know, building building strength is one of the foremost important parts of my of my training philosophy. And when it comes to translating to higher productivity at work, there's just something about you know doing things at a higher intensity level, and that's. You know, if I had to sum sum up a lot of these answers to this interview, it's just about breaking things up, the volume, in, in a way that allows you to put higher intensity towards whatever you're doing, whether it's in the gym or you're doing something at work. If you're breaking things up, you're taking breaks and in intervals, right, in a way that allows you to be more productive and doing as much work as you can without exceeding your recovery rate. So as as far as specific training parameters are concerned, you know, there are a couple options. You know, you have linear adaptations and you have auto-regulated uh, adaptations for making progress in the gym. And this follows at work too. In the case of linear adaptations, uh, the athlete or the work, uh, the, the, um, the employee, you know, must keep the intensity and volume higher while reducing the training frequency for, you know, making the sustainable progress. To translate that into, you know, your terms, basically you're, you're making, you're staying productive at work, but you're basically doing like, this is basically like three to five days a week and you're, you know, you're, you're gradually increasing the intensity, the, how much you're doing, uh, that would be the volume, actually, and then, and then uh, how well you're doing it, the intensity, which of course will be following the linear adaptation. Uh, in the case of the auto-regulated stuff, that would just be kind of consider this more of somebody who works a flexible work schedule, somebody that maybe works from home some days of the week or all days of the week, or or they have uh, what what is it called? Uh, Mac, help me out here. When uh, somebody can just like work whenever they work wherever they want, whenever they want, that would fall under the category of the auto-regulated, yeah, you know, process for strength yeah, training, right? Yeah. So you right. just, in either case, right, right. So you have your two examples there. You have linear and you have auto-regulation. Either case, you just kind of got to ride the wave, and that's kind of like the the theme of it all is whatever there's whatever way you choose, you just got to stick to it. And consistency is is one of the huge, you know, most important things about fitness and life and, and work in general. It's just whatever you're doing, it's like you can't draw any firm conclusions about what you're doing. And if it's, if it's effective, if you're not sticking to it consistently. And so your next question will probably be, well, Eric, you know, what's your what's your definition of consistency? And I'll, I do talk about this in my book quite a bit. But basically, you know, you have this six to eight week uh, cycle. You'll cycle your training in six to eight weeks, basically, and you'll base this around the moon phases, actually, and then, of course, the seasons throughout the year. But from a work standpoint and riding the wave, it's just like 
you've given yourself a period, a window of time, like three to six weeks, six to eight weeks or so, that you know you can you can uh, you can kind of do do something with with whatever you're doing, whether you're focused on the next big project at work or you know you're doing something at home that facilitates further productivity at work, and you're balancing your family family life too. It's like you're reflecting after that time period and just seeing, you know, what worked, what didn't, and always kind of continually just asking yourself, well, how is this working for me? Because if it's not working for me, you need to change it. It sounds ultra conservative, but if you if you keep that in mind and you just say, you know, well, if it's like if something is working, don't change it, basically, right? You know, people always ask about having, you know, introducing a lot of variety into your life. And that's something that I've just noticed, like a lot of the most successful people in the, uh, in the work and in, in the office, they don't have a lot of variety to their schedules. They're pretty consistent. And the catch 22 is to that, it, it doesn't promote a lot of happiness because happiness is, you know, the key to that is including a lot of variety and stuff. So again, it's just balancing these two things and riding that wave. And that goes back to helping you learn how to build strength, too, in the gym. I mean, whether that's, you know, you have your six essential human movements. You have your hinge, you know, a.k.a. deadlifts. You know, you have your squats. You have, you know, walking, running. You have pushing and pulling. And you have carrying things around. Those are your six things. Um, Carrying things around, also known as farmer's walks very very close to like say carrying your groceries or carrying your baby or you know anything where you're carrying something that's kind of what doing that so you know you you can progress linearly or you can auto regulate your training if you're if you're progressing linearly i encourage you to reflect on uh, a period of six to eight weeks if you're following more just like auto regulated uh schedule you know you're kind of going like as a virtual worker, I encourage you to reflect on your work productivity uh, in a shorter window, like three three weeks or even more on a micro level. So on a day-to-day basis, like what are you doing? And ask yourself continually, how is this working for me? Well, Eric, this is really helpful. And I know your book uh, goes through routines. And so maybe if we wind down, how can one of my listeners get a hold of the book and how can they contact you for help? Sure thing. Yeah, just uh, you're going to visit my website that I set up for this book. It's mafaofficial.com, M-A-F-A official.com. And there's a nice little trailer that I put together, all filmed in D.C., filmed it by myself. And right underneath of that trailer, there is a huge, you can't miss it, a large picture of the book. You can click on that. There are also two icons below it there's an amazon um symbol and there's a kindle symbol also amazon because i published it through amazon you can click on any of that stuff and that'll redirect you to the page on amazon where you'll get it and it is eligible for two-day free shipping for prime members and if you don't have a prime um Amazon account, you can still get it shipped to you within a week. Um, I've heard some other people tell me that they've had it shipped in like three to five days that don't have Prime. And then, of course, if you catch up with me in person, you can um, get one from me. Just let me know. And if you want to contact me directly, uh, feel feel free to call me or email me. My number is 240-432-7174. 
And then my email is eberati at gmail.com. So I look forward to hearing from you. That's great. Well, Eric, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the show. And uh, I'm encouraging everybody who's listening, get out there, get a copy of that book. It's a great book. And, and if you're real serious, talk to Eric. I have met him. He is definitely the real deal. Eric, thanks for being on my show. Thank you, Mac. You're the man. Well, thanks again to our special guest, Eric Baratti. Again, you know how to contact him, get his book. And if you are even in the local area, that is uh, kind of Maryland and D.C. area, you can certainly book yourself a time to work out with Eric. Here at Boss Builders, we are all about helping you do your job to the best of your ability. And to that end, we have really now three opportunities for you. The first of all is the... Boss Builder Academy, the video series that many of our customers have been using. We also can provide on-site workshops for you. We can bring our trainers to your facility and teach our materials. And lastly, we just put this together. You are now able to purchase our materials so that your trainers can go ahead and train up your management staff. For more information, just visit us on the web at thebossbuilders.com or you can call us at 931-221-2988. Thanks again for tuning in today and for hearing my guest, Eric Baratti. Until the next time we meet, get out there, boss up, and boss on. Goodbye. You've been listening to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast with Mac Monroe. To get more information on being a great boss, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com or at Mac's blog, macmonroe.com. Until next time, get out there and be a great boss.